0: And again, it again, it comes down to, it is not okay if you take time for yourself. It is not okay if you do this for yourself right now because someone else wants something from you right now. And we, like, we often forget that there's a difference between a want and a need. So if, if I put my want above someone else's need, that might be a little bit selfish sometimes. But if you put your own need ahead of someone else's wants, that is self-care. Because we do need to look after ourselves. We do need to take care of ourselves in order to be the best version of, of ourselves for the people around us.
1: Welcome to the Nick Podcast. The podcast where we interview ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Our goal is to share stories and ideas about how thinking differently can shape a better future for all. Hello guys and welcome back to the Thinker Nick podcast. Today I'm joined by an old friend from Vietnam who I'm very excited to talk to today. She is originally from Kazakhstan where she was born and then she was raised in Germany. She was 18 when she found out that her grandmother was schizophrenic and all her life she battled through sickness. And because mental health is something that is still, you know, sort of rarely spoken about, her family kind of swept it under the rug. It was then that she decided that she wanted to learn more about mental health, different disorders and the effects it has on people. She wanted to understand what was going through her grandma's head and how she can help other people who are struggling. Her grandma inspired her to specialize in psychology and become a counselor and a coach. She holds a master's in psychology as well as both counseling and presence coaching qualifications. Her practice is CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, focused with approaches taken from Gestalt, as well as ACT, which is acceptance and commitment therapy and psychoeducation. So, Julia, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Appreciate the invite. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I'm like I said, I'm very excited for this episode. So Although your grandma was your main motivation for becoming a psychologist, were there any other motivations for for pursuing this career? Well, that's more of
0: like the exciting, <laughs> the exciting explanation. But honestly, on the non-exciting one, is just I was always I was good in everything. Like I was good in math, good in languages, whatever. But I was never really good in something where some students, like when they notice, oh, I'm very very good in math. Like let me go that direction. And I was very good in sport, but back then I played professional sport already, and that was not really a choice for me to just add on more sport to my daily schedule already. And yeah, and then it was just like, okay, the whole grammar thing came kind of out when I was 18, the, the time when you have to decide what direction you want to take. And then I chose psychology indeed. And yeah, I've
1: never regretted it ever since epic man that's awesome so we're gonna dive straight into the topics for today we've got five key topics to talk about so do stay tuned they're very very cool and as julia is a psychologist she has a lot of knowledge on these and the first one i want to touch on is inner child work and the reason why is because i feel like i'm on a bit of a as we were discussing before on a little bit of a personal development journey and i've only just become aware of inner child work so can you explain what the term inner child means and why it's so important to become aware of it?
0: Sure. So imagine as a child, we go through a lot of different situations, yeah? In those situations, experience, they really have their effects on us still so in adulthood. So the term inner child just means it's a childlike personality part of us and positive and negative, so it represents like all that childish goofiness, creativeness that we sometimes have, but it also represents a lot, of, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain that we had to experience as children. And the reason why we experience a lot of pain and hurt, and when we look at it from the adult perspective, it can be, becomes really silly because we didn't get the chocolate that we wanted, or we didn't get the, the pants or the, the t-shirt that I wanted as a teenager but uh, children's mind is self-centered. So the whole rational thinking is only developing later on. So uh, we just, we had to experience a lot of situations where we got hurt, we were in pain, we didn't get hear, heard, we were angry, but we maybe weren't allowed to live it out because you're not supposed to be angry, not supposed to behave in a bad, a bad way. And what they do is that the more we had to suppress them, the more or the stronger the influence will become later in your adulthood, because you were just not simply not allowed to outlive that part of you at that time.
1: Wow. Yeah. So for someone like me, who's just become aware of it or someone who's just learning about this stuff, what strategies would you use in your practice or or even ones that you wouldn't use in your practice that you think are really powerful that people can use to kind of become aware and then deal with the inner child inside of them?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So first of all, it's, it's always about awareness, creating awareness for that childlike part in you. So I think, yeah, all of us know, when we sometimes just imitate like a baby voice or a childlike voice or whatever, maybe to our loved ones or so forth. So that is like, that's the time when your inner child is coming out. But at the same time, in my experience, 95% of the moments when you feel triggered or hurt in your adulthood, We can link it back to your inner child. We can link it back to certain beliefs that might have been triggered. Because there's always, I always say, like, whenever you get triggered, it's an invitation to look inside. And it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's really worth it to stop scratching on the surface and actually develop that awareness for why am I triggered right now? What does that
1: mean to me? Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I resonate with that because... One thing I've learned, which is what I used to seek, still working on it, you know, no one's perfect. And it's like a constant, you know, it's a constant.
0: And you'll never be, you'll never be. You'll
1: you'll never be, yeah, it's a constant battle, you know. But validation was a big one for me. And, and, you know, I was seeking validation from other people and it's a form of people pleasing, which I'm well aware of. So those two were ones that now that I've become aware of it, now I'm like, and then I look back and I looked at like, you know, my family dynamic growing up and I had an, an amazing upbringing. But you know, if you can have the most amazing upbringing, and you can have the worst upbringing, either way, you're still going to deal with some sort of childhood trauma along the way. Do you know what I mean? So, w- when I traced it back to you know growing up and just the little things that you know might have triggered me, might have offended me when I was younger, made me feel insecure. I'm aware of it now, and then when something comes up now in the future, or if it comes up today, and I want to react in that way that I would have reacted in. Now I'm like, hang on, wait, why am I doing this? Oh, that's why. You're doing this because this happened in the past and now this is how you're acting. So so what you kind of need to do is, or what I've been doing is practicing a form of meditation by a guy called Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he basically makes you, the meditation makes basically makes you, your mind think that you don't need love to feel abundance. You don't need money to feel wealth, you just, program your brain, that you are, I mean, money, you know, it's all relative, but you know, it it programs your brain to already feel that wealth, to already feel that love, to already make you make you believe that you're already good enough, if that's the case, do you know what I mean? And it's a really powerful tool, which leads me on to the next topic, which is limiting beliefs. Now, my understanding of limiting beliefs would be like the stories and beliefs that we were told when we were younger, or maybe you were bullied, or maybe there was something on the rugby field and someone said to you, oh, you can't do this or you can't do that. We start to believe these things in our life from a really early age, which creates a limit on what we believe as we get older. So that's my understanding of it. Is that correct? And what could you explain to the listeners exactly what limiting beliefs are?
0: So definitely, yeah whatever you explained right now, it is definitely part of it. So it's whatever people told us in our childhood and they told it or they said it that often that they actually started believing it. But more so when I talk about limiting beliefs, it is as a child, you are almost like a blank sheet of paper. yeah, And you learn the world through the eyes of your caretakers. So maybe it's mom and dad, maybe it's grandma, maybe it's also your brothers and sisters, but you basically learn. What do I have to be? uh, What do I have to do to be a good child? And what do I have to do to be a bad child? And by those enforcements, you learn those beliefs more or less. And further on, it is also so. Imagine you have a a dad who is really competitive, yeah, and he maybe he might support you on the rugby field, on the soccer field, or whatever, and he will never give you praise for what you did good but he will first always mention ah you should have done this better or you should have worked on this and you should have seen this coming along and that tackle was too high or whatever so the more often a child experiences these moments a belief is formed and because a child remember i said a child's mind is always very self-centered so the child will take it personal and say okay what does that mean ah it means i'm not good enough or i'm a failure or something like that. And so the more often we encounter situations like that and that are enforcing that belief, what happens is that that belief is obviously a very painful one, yeah? So it hurts to continuously be reminded that you're not good enough or you're a failure. So what your brain is doing at the same time is it's developing a protection mechanism. And the protection mechanism usually goes in one extreme. So people can become like people with a belief I'm not good enough or I'm a failure or something like that can become extreme perfectionists. so and then only 100% is good enough because 99% means that they still have to somehow admit that they might have failed or they weren't good enough in something or people become procrastinators and they actually never follow through with something 100% because if I do that and I fail then I have to again admit that I failed and I'm not good enough and so, so we basically found that limiting belief that is formed in childhood through our experiences. They get a protection mechanism, and what happens then in adulthood? We kind of, as growing up, we forget that that belongs to our younger self. That belongs to our, for in my case, to little Julia. That that was like what she needed, and that was the way that her brain functioned and kind of like made her survive through all that childhood. But now i'm an adult i'm an independent woman that can make her own decisions and making her own money i don't depend on anyone but i forget to let go of these beliefs and so what they do is they literally they influence as an adult in adulthood so 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 much and that's why inner child work is a big big part of the work that i do with my clients because in like i said earlier 95 percent of the time we will find the root, rooting back to your childhood we will find why you're triggered right now we will find out why does it hurt you and usually it goes to the limiting beliefs that we have that we're not good enough i'm unlovable i'm unwanted whatever it is but we all have them every person has them
1: yeah yeah so for the listeners out there you know you're not alone if there's something that you you uh, are struggling with but also if it's if this is not even something that you're aware of i hope you're listening to this podcast and taking all this knowledge in because like I said, self awareness is very important. And a powerful thing for me. And like I said, I had the most amazing upbringing, I love my parents, I'm just talking about parents in general, you know, parents, they did the best that they could with the information that they had, right at the time. So ultimately, yes, these might be limiting beliefs in a child, you might have some trauma there. But it's you now at the age of what I'm 30. Now, could be before, long before this. Could be long after this. But you ultimately are in charge of your own life, right? And you now need to make that change. So, the blame game is not going to help at all. It's all going to be introspection, and you've really got to look in. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying, the powerful, powerful thing for me was, I know that if I was bullied or if I, if someone chirped me, and for any international listeners, chirps like teasing. So if someone teased me or something like that, I just realized that acceptance for who they are, really helped me get over some of those things. So I'm like, for example, someone hurt me in my life, maybe they were going through pain, I accept them for who they are, they maybe they meant it, maybe they didn't. But ultimately, I'm not going to let that affect me anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Adding on to that, it's, uh, there's a tool that I also use in my sessions, which is really helpful. And it's almost like it describes going through life and any interactions you have with people is like exchanging presents. So some presents are really positive. Like it's like a nice hug, a nice, hello, how are you, whatever. And then there is also really nasty presents. So it might be someone on the road, flipping you off or yelling at you for no reason or hurting you and so forth. And just keep that in mind. And now, now imagine Nick, I have an orange. If I squeeze the orange, what comes out? Orange juice. So if I have a human in pain, what comes out?
1: Yeah, the pain, it's a reflection on the, of the, the inside, pain. right?
0: Exactly, the pain, the suffering, whatever. So people that carry a lot of pain inside them already, they're just busy exchanging those nasty presents because this is their pain that they're trying to give away. So they are just battling themselves so much and that's why they're They might hurt other people they might give you a nasty present and so forth but it's all coming out of a place of pain and hurt and suffering and the amazing thing about it is that going back to you're in control and you're responsible for your life you are in control if you want to accept that present or if you're going to reject it and say thanks but no thanks you can keep your pain and whenever i do this tool with my clients for them, it's like a complete eye opener. All of a sudden they go, like they walk through life and they see those painful presents that they're getting, but also the shitty presents that they're, that they're giving out. And they notice, okay, I'm triggered right now. So I just gave my wife a really nasty present and I just let her feel my pain. And just like, again, again coming back to awareness, the awareness of these kind of things, as you said, the awareness of okay that person hurt me but it's because that person doesn't hurt themselves and they just don't know another way to deal with their pain except of hurting me back but almost like we switch we switch from the blame game to the compassion
1: perspective and that's that's the way to go love and compassion but it is very difficult when you have someone in pain and i spoke about this in our previous i spoke about this in our previous podcast with jared and Another thing I've learned is I a part of me attaches myself, because I want to be a saviour of sorts, I see someone in pain, and I want to help. So rather than detaching, and like you said, you got to take accountability, rather than detaching and saying, you know what, I don't want to be here, you need to sort it out yourself first, I'm happy to, you know, help, I'm happy to be here for you talk about it and stuff. But I'm not going to allow myself to be hurt by your pain, if that makes sense. That's pretty much what you were saying, right?
0: So, so you're like, you're not solving someone else's problem, but you are just supporting them in solving exactly. their own problem.
1: Basically. Exactly. Amazing. So then based on your experience, what is the problem or the false belief that your clients come to you with that a lot of the listeners might also struggle with too?
0: When we just focus on beliefs, a very, very common one is I'm not good enough. It's such a big one because as a child, we have our basic needs, we have the needs of Love, affection, care, and so forth. And when we are, when we want that in that moment, when the need is really there, and we approach our caretaker or sister, brother, whoever is around for uh, the love and compassion, the basic need that we have. But maybe mom is busy doing something else, or dad just came from work and he had to whatever. Again, a child's brain is always going to make it about themselves. And that means, okay, ah, because I'm not important enough, or I'm not good enough to them. I'm not good enough for them to actually give me their time give me their love give me their affection so just through my experience like that i'm not good enough or i'm a failure something along those lines is probably the most important or the most common one
1: sure and you touched on self-compassion there and i honestly that's been a game changer for me i've been watching like i've been doing a lot of research on this personal development and, and i forget the name of the chart but it basically goes from like different vibrations and the, the 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 bottom, it's like a cone. So if you can imagine like an upside or a cone, an ice cream cone, you'll have like fear, anxiety, depression at the bottom, and then in the middle you'll have like acceptance, courage, and then right at the top you'll have compassion and love. And when you resonate and you resonate on that sort of vibration, people are drawn to you, and you also you know you're just constantly giving love to people, which is which has completely changed my mindset because now it's like rather than playing the victim or the victim mentality i consider it the victor and i just you know provide compassion and love so why do you think self-compassion is something people lack so much and would you say to or what would you say to someone who is struggling with not being able to show compassion
0: i really believe is that because we never get taught that that's important we never get taught that hey you need to love yourself you need to accept yourself for who you are is a priority because as a child, it's always about treating others good. It's always about making friends, be nice to your friends, be nice to your uncle, be nice to your parents, like be the good child that everyone wants you to be and so forth. And it comes even back to you as a child, not wanting to give your uncle a kiss, but everyone around you is gonna force you to give your uncle a kiss because that's the thing you've got to do as a child, right? And so your boundaries are not being accepted. Your boundaries are being invalidated. And they basically, as a child, you get the message, my boundaries don't matter. So we, as children, we never really get taught that it's so important to be really, really like to love ourselves, to accept ourselves for who we are, and that we actually matter. That we don't have to do something good. We don't have to achieve something that we actually matter. That just purely existing, that we are here on this planet, makes us worthy of our own time that we are good enough to be compassionate to ourselves. And a very, a very very common tool that, it's more, probably more more like the most classic one is that if you imagine your friend is coming or your best friend is coming with exact same situations, exact same problem that you are struggling with right now, what would you say to your friend? And in 99% of the time, you are gonna be such an amazing friend. You're gonna give the best advice. You're gonna be so, Lovable, so caring, so understanding towards your friend and really uplift them. But somehow, when it's about ourselves, we really struggle to give ourselves the same advice. So, and there's a very famous saying that's saying, if we would treat our friends the way we treat ourselves, we wouldn't have any friends left. Mm.
1: Oh, that's very true. That's powerful. Wow.
0: Yeah. Because we are just always so much harder on ourselves than on anyone else around us.
1: Okay, so then before we go into showing compassion, rather than self compassion, why does it come across as selfish? So basically, why is self care? Like, yeah, why do people sometimes label it selfish?
0: Mm-hmm. Very good question. I believe it's, uh, it goes again, it goes back into into our childhood and how we are always taught that we have to take care of others that we have to give our time to others. And it again it can, it comes down to it is not okay if you take time for yourself. It is not okay if you do this for yourself right now because someone else wants something from you right now, and we like we often forget that there's a difference between a want and a need so if if I put my want above someone else's need, that might be a little bit selfish sometimes. But if you put your own need ahead of someone else's wants, that is self-care. Because we do need to look after ourselves. We do need to take care of ourselves in order to be the best version of, of ourselves for the people around us. If your batteries are on 10%, you cannot give more than 10%. You might think you are, but actually you're giving someone a really crappy version of yourself. So are you really being that good friend that you want to be right now? Probably not, just simply because you can't, because your batteries are empty.
1: Yeah, well, resonate with a ton of things that you said there. So then, I mean, like I said, I'm learning to show show way more compassion to others, and, but there are people, and I get this, man, like everyone's got their own stuff going on. People have been brought up differently. I actually wanted to ask this question if it it actually links back to inner childhood, but is that the reason why people struggle to show compassion to others? Is it linked back to childhood or is it just, is it their personality type, introvert, extrovert? Like what is the reason?
0: There is not one answer that I can give you. It can come from many, many different ways, but it's definitely if, have you ever learned to be compassionate with someone else like in your childhood or maybe did you always play the victim and you always by playing the victim you got what you wanted and therefore your brain was conditioned in a way like oh if i'm the victim if i'm playing the blame game on everyone then people give me what i need and it also comes along with it's it's really hard to take responsibility for mistakes that we do right so it's easier to point fingers it's the easiest thing to do like ah that happened because this happened, because you, or because they did this to me, or because they said this. But mm-hmm. exactly, it's the vain game, and I'm the nice victim, and everyone else's fault, like, is, uh, yeah. But it's just, it's really like, and it's another thing that it's really hard for people to take responsibility for their mistakes because then it goes back into the insecurities, right? Ooh, maybe I'm weak if I admit that I did a mistake there. Maybe it makes me a bad person. Maybe people will think differently of me. Maybe they're going to judge me if I actually, if they find out that I did something bad, so it goes back to a lot of beliefs and a lot of fears, fear of judgment, fear of abandonment, fear of neglect and so forth.
1: Amazing. So just before we carry on, I just want to do a little review. So we've touched on inner child work we've touched on limiting beliefs and now self compassion. So if you are enjoying this episode, please don't forget to like, follow, share and subscribe. We really appreciate it and leave us a review if possible, because it really does help the podcast and we get more amazing guests on like Julia. So the next section I want to go in is overthinking. And a big thing that a big emotion that comes to mind here is anxiety. And I, when I first started feeling anxiety, I did not know how to navigate my way through life. It was daunting. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I mean, at one stage, I thought I was having a heart attack, but it, it could have been a panic attack. And it was, it was scary. I mean, to just to be straight up honest with you, it was totally scary. And it was a result of overthinking that's what it came down to it was a result of overthinking for me anyway I mean mean, anxiety is the fear of the future right so there could be many reasons but mine in particular was overthinking so how do you stop overthinking and what are some strategies that the listeners can use to help them with this
0: the first thing we start off with with my clients who come with overthinking issues is the term the psychological term is called cognitive diffusion and what that means is that we are it teaches us to separate ourselves from our thoughts. So to create the awareness that whatever thought I have, it is just a thought. It doesn't represent me. I don't have to identify with it if I don't want to. It is just simply a thought. If you want, just want to do a quick experiment, maybe also with the listeners. If you're able to, close your eyes. Not if you're driving, please don't, but <laughs> um, if you're sitting somewhere, where uh, you're able to close your eyes, please close your eyes. And just imagine a complete black background, fully just pitch black. And now all of a sudden you see a green triangle appearing. The triangle is 2D, 3D, whatever you want it to be, but it's very green and a very perfect triangle. And now all of a sudden it's disappearing. And now all of a sudden you see a blue circle. Again, it can be 2D, 3D, and it's a perfectly shaped blue circle. And all of a sudden it's disappearing. And now y'all can open your eyes also, Nick, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you can open your eyes again. And like, if I'd ask you, okay, did, did you ever feel like you wear that triangle or you wear that circle? What would be your answer? Uh, No. Exactly, because it's just a thought and just an image. So we don't have to take every thought and make it ours. We can just let some thoughts be thoughts. And that's the whole idea behind cognitive diffusion. It really teaches you to separate yourself from your thoughts. And then you go into learning to actually change the narrative. So instead of saying, I'm stupid, actually changing the narrative into, I notice that I'm having a thought that I'm stupid, but I'm going to let that go because I don't want to identify with it because I'm not stupid. So it's all about, again, going back to awareness once again, to creating that awareness and instead of identifying with every thought that we have, we are in control of which thought we want to identify with and which thought we just let be thought. And you asked me for some strategies. Very, very common ones is either like you, I think the most common ones is leaves on the stream. So you just imagine having a perfect stream running and you have certain leaves that are just following that stream with the water flow. And every leaf represents that one thought that you might have and you're like and you literally see your thought on that leaf slowly making their way on the stream and all of a sudden they disappear or maybe it can be a branch or like whatever you like another one is some some of my clients they really prefer to see planes they just look up in the sky and they see this a bunch of planes and every plane represents one of their thoughts so instead of being that thought or being on that plane they just see it and they see it coming in and going out again. And the same thing with a train station. Like it's the same idea, being at the train train station, just seeing a train come in and going out. And you can decide which train you wanna hop on and which train you're just gonna let pass.
1: Nice. Another one which I was taught was sitting in a park on a park bench and the clouds would be your thoughts. And then you just, you watch them go by just like you would in the sky. And that's also another one. And two strategies or tools that I've and these are these have been around for ages. And I highly recommend everyone does this because I never used to do it is journaling and meditation. Get it down on paper, get it out of your brain, stop overthinking, get it down on paper where you can visually see it. And meditation, when I meditate anyway, is exactly what you were talking about now where you observe your thoughts. And then you say, Is that true? No, that's not true. I am good enough, or I don't need to people please or whatever it may be, you know, so I mean, I'm only learning now. And it's completely changed my life, to be honest. But if we talk about what everything we've spoken about, I'm pretty sure comes down to my next question. And that is the subconscious mind why is it so important to become aware of the subconscious mind and can you just explain the subconscious mind like what is it and 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 yeah how do how do you get rid of all of those inner belief stories everything that's buried down there
0: so the subconscious mind is something it's automatic we are completely it happens like it happens by itself and we are not in control whatsoever what's going on in there so and it is so important because this is where you'll be able to find or like figure out why you are triggered you're able to understand your patterns and so forth so if you're bothered by something if you don't like a certain behavior or personality trait or whatever about yourself there is a reason why you have that there's a reason why you do the things that you do and that's when we need to enter the subconscious mind and that's when we need to do the work we gotta be important to ourselves or be enough like important enough to ourselves to actually do the work that we need to do to get most of that subconscious mind into the conscious mind and only once it's conscious we can start working through it and working with it it's basically just there like if you really want to break unhealthy patterns and behaviors you gotta you gotta enter that that space
1: first totally agree and my journey into the subconscious mind started with regrets and guilt tripping. Now, we all have regrets, and I've made some mistakes in my life. And I never dealt with them, which obviously then you know, bottles up bottles up bottles up in the subconscious mind. But when I moved countries, I was like, Okay, no, no, this is it's time now, like, I'm going in, all right, head first, (laughs) literally, and regrets and guilt tripping was was eating me up, to be honest at a point in my life and obviously change as well. And I mean, change makes you vulnerable and it's an opportunity for growth coupled with that. So how do you deal with regrets and guilt tripping?
0: First of all, I always say guilt tripping yourself is extremely unfair towards yourself because we usually do that because we think about something that happened in the past and maybe a lot of years or months have passed. And now we're looking back at that moment and we're like, oh, shit that was really dumb or whatever. And it goes back to what you said earlier about your parents as well, that we just have to, or like trust ourselves that whatever we do at the time, like we do to the best of our abilities, the best of our set and knowledge that we have at that specific time. And that also includes all the hurt that we might carry at this time, all the pain, all the insecurities, like whatever we as a whole, we act to the best of our abilities at that time. And then a lot of time passes and a lot of development, growth, knowledge is being gained. And then we look back and we compare ourselves and be like, oh, I would have totally done that differently now. So you basically are, you're being so unfair towards yourself because you're comparing two different versions of yourself in the same situation though. So just trust yourself that you did the best that you could at that specific time. Maybe it wasn't the smartest move. Maybe you could have done a better choice, but still you did it based on the knowledge and skill set that you had at that time. So again, instead of blaming ourselves, you go into being compassionate with ourselves and seeing like, you know what? Yeah, I was in a lot of hurt and pain and I was dealing with a lot of stuff at that time and it wasn't great. But now I would do better. And the best thing that you can do for yourself there is to take responsibility. If you still can, if it, if it involves someone else and you hurt someone else, even if it's years later, reach out to them and just apologize for whatever it was. Like be the blank sheet again, that you don't have to guilt trip yourself and just like drown in regrets for the rest of your life because you can still do something
1: about it. Amazing insights. Julia, thank you so much. To be honest, all of these topics could have been a podcast in themselves. Like we could have yeah, gone deep on all yeah, of them. I, I mean, we could have just gone 100%. on for hours. But what I try to do is try to get as much out of you and as much value for the listeners as possible. So we went through those topics quite briefly. But I think that the the insight was incredible. So just to recap what we went through today, guys, it was we started with the inner child work, and then onto limiting beliefs then we looked at self compassion and showing compassion. And we looked at anxiety and overthinking and the subconscious mind and we ended with regrets and guilt tripping a lot to digest there. I could probably listen to this podcast twice and write some notes. So the last question I'll leave you yeah, with here. Julia is, pardon, what was that?
0: Same here. I also need to through yeah. it one more time. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's been a great conversation. So the last question I'll leave you with is what advice would you give to anyone who may be struggling emotionally or mentally at the moment?
0: So the very first advice is just be courageous enough to share yourself with someone that you trust. Because I can promise you, whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, you are not the only person on this planet that's going through something like that. There's just so, so many of us who are having very similar issues. And all of us have, I call it like this invisible backpack that we all carry. Some are lighter, others are heavier, but we all have one. And so just start there, start to share yourself with someone. And if, if it makes you like feel better to maybe have someone neutral, reach out to a counselor and a coach or a psychologist, because. I actually even prefer that one, not even because not just simply because I'm one, just because when you share yourself with a friend, you get, you go very quickly into this sharing mode, Oh, this happened to me. Oh, you know, I also know that feeling it happened to me there. And it's nice to be validated, but if you really want to work through it. Doing it with a professional will just be two minds, four ears, four eyes on your issue only. And away from the sharing thing, but diving deep into your individual experience. And that, like, that's the the first one. And the second one is just, honestly, just put in the work now. Put in the work now, because we all have some work to do. And if you do, the earlier you do it, the sooner you become, you can become the best version of yourself or your future self. There's no need to live half of your life and struggles and pain. If you can solve it now already.
1: Yes, so, so true. And I'm just I'm honestly just thinking back now to all the, the growth that's happened in the last few months and everything that you're saying It's just like, you know, still working on it, but I've been there and I'm so glad that I've become self aware of it. And I really do encourage the listeners to do the same. I can only speak for myself. And that's why we do these podcasts because we want to add value to your lives. So Julia, where can people find you if one, they want counseling, but two, if they just want to follow your social media feeds?
0: Oh, yes. Social media would be Julia Peters psychologist, all small letters together. You'll get to my Instagram page and into my Facebook where just try to share some nuggets and some of my knowledge to just encourage people to be the better version of themselves and to heal. And if you, and I also have a website, so juliapeters.net. That's where you'll find my website and all the services I offer.
1: Fantastic. And I will link those down below and it would be wrong of me not to plug my own program. So if you are struggling with self-esteem or lacking purpose, or maybe you just want to, you know, get into a really good routine and start Habits, the Think and Nick Lifestyle program, it's completely free training and I'll link that down below as well. So check that out. Julia, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been great to see you again. And that conversation was amazing. So thank you very much for your time. And hopefully this won't be the last time that we see you on the podcast.
0: Yeah, I'd love to come back. And yeah, thanks again, Nick, for inviting me. I really, really appreciate it. And I loved every minute of our chat. So thank you so much.
1: Fantastic. Cheers, eh? For more news and content about Think Nick, go to www.thinkernick.com or visit our Facebook or Instagram pages at thinkernick. Nick.